I think you'll find that this is a treat. Gene Rossi and I are both former federal prosecutors, and he invited me on his radio show. And you got to listen to the opening because it's a classic of old-time radio, everything happening. And then we had some fun talking. So enjoy. I hope you like it. Bye-bye. I want a good, clean fight. This radio station will remain on the air day and night to keep you informed of all developments day and night. Ordinary bullets have no effect. You are tuned to the information frequency. The information frequency. The Gene Rossi Show. Trailblazer, a great American patriot. The Gene Rossi Show. Want the inside scoop? He's the big scooper. The Gene Rossi Show. Warning, 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 Good morning, listeners and Facebook Live watchers. I am Gene Rossi. Today is Saturday, May 22nd, 2021. In this hour, we have several great guests. Uh, leading off will be John Flannery. He's an MSNBC legal analyst and former federal prosecutor with the Southern District of New York, uh, which is the second best U.S. Attorney's Office in the country <laughs> after, after, EDVA, Eastern District of Virginia, also known as the Rocket Docket, where I worked, and I got John laughing already, okay? Uh, <laughs> a second, the second guest, uh, <laughs> let me finish, John. The second guest is Kellen Squire. He's a former uh, candidate for lieutenant governor. He ran for delegate down in uh, Roanoke area. And the third and last guest, we saved the best for last, no offense, John, uh, Blakely Lockhart. She is a candidate very young candidate uh, for the House District 56. Before we get to our first great guests, I have a few remarks. On May 20, 2021, we had National Rescue Dog Day. Well, to prepare for that day, the Rossies got Bugsy, B-U-G-S-Y, on May 16. Now, Bugsy is named after a famous or infamous character in the criminal realm and also a pizza joint in Old Town, Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, and Bugsy is, of course, a rescue dog, and he is a proud mix of hound, shepherd, beagle, and lab. And we love him. On another note, May 31st is Memorial Day. We always should honor those who served and gave the ultimate sacrifice for the safety of our country. In 1971, Memorial Day replaced uh, Decoration Day, but both are somber reminders of women and men who gave their lives for our country. So please have a peaceful Memorial Day. The last point is, uh, I got my Johnson & Johnson shot last March, had a little fatigue uh, for about a day, um, but others uh, have to get uh, two shots. So please get your shots. We're breaking out of this pandemic and hopefully by the summer, fall, and at least before uh, the holidays, uh, people can just uh, go to parties, go to restaurants, and maybe not have to wear any mask or take any precautions 
regarding social distancing requirements. All right. I now have uh, John Yon. I'm here. I heard, I'm here. I heard you laughing. I heard you laughing. I'm not going to do. We talked yesterday. What, what was that thing you said? The vanity thing when you? Yeah, I said. I said you don't need to give me a vanity bath. You know, to yeah. go through whatever okay. it is that I've done and say. Uh, well, therefore, I, I might have some value in listening. And li- no, listen to I it. I want to because uh, we've been on. We've been together a couple times on the Ari Melbo show and. Uh, Absolutely. And I, I had an absolute blast. I remember we were literally sitting, we were in a satellite office sitting right next to each other. And uh, but but I want to talk you. I want to give you a vanity bath. But maybe maybe cowboy. I'll give you a cowboy bath. How's that? Um, <laughs> you, yeah, John. Uh, I'm serious. Uh, John was a federal prosecutor in Southern District of New York, and I joked about it. That is a. It's a premier office. It it's. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, brilliance. You have to be brilliant to work in that office. And uh, Sean was there for several years and did mob cases. And, uh, you know, you worked on the uh, bribery case of Congressman Dan Flood. Uh, you worked on mafia figures, Maddie, Madonna. I mean, yeah. you, you, you did it all. And then you ran for Congress in 1984 in the, in, in the Mondale landslide. Ha, ha. And uh, and uh, you ran against Frank Wolf, was it? Frank Wolf? Yeah, it was Frank was the incumbent. Yeah, I yeah. thought he was so vulnerable. I got that wrong. <laughs> the voters. <laughs> well, it was, it was the worst year for Democrats in that entire yeah. century. Oh, uh, oh my God! And um, and uh, well, well, you know what? Let's start off with that because there was a great story you told last night. Uh, the Democratic convention was in San Francisco. I happened to be there. And right. you, were, you were a candidate. You were in the Virginia delegation. And, and tell me what you said yesterday. You're listening to Mondale's <laughs> acceptance speech. He's running uh, against Reagan, right? And, right. It was against Reagan. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, Mondale, uh, he was giving a speech. I had won a primary in Virginia. It was hard fought with some uh, local deserving Democrats. And uh, we were at peace. And I was being hosted that week by... Uh, different patrons who helped me raise a hundred thousand dollars the week I was in San Francisco, and so I had pretty I had pretty free reign of the floor because I was a candidate, and I'm on the floor with the Virginia delegation when Mondale gives his speech, and he gets up and says, Ronald Reagan will raise your taxes, so will I. He <laughs> he won't admit it. I just did, and I and the whole place roared, and I thought I had fallen into some manic <laughs> abyss. Politically, because since I was a kid, no Democrat has ever said, I'm going to tax you because people believe they're going to appropriate their young. So I ran around in the rest of my campaign saying things like, I'm an Irishman with short arms and deep pockets, and I'm not going to raise your taxes. Oh, God. And uh, I was cornered several times by Democratic leadership saying things like, uh, uh, so uh, are you ready to raise taxes? And I'd say things like, "I, I hope not. And so in the end, Mondale, uh, he uh, <laughs> concealed a multitude of my political and personal defects by winning, by losing so soundly that no oh. one would know uh, oh. if I was any good or not. I got 95,000 votes, but the voters decided I should remain a trial lawyer instead, and although I didn't appreciate it that evening. Since then, I thought maybe they did me a favor since I've watched the cohort of others who ran that year, some of them incumbents, who oh. uh, who succeeded themselves. So oh. that that's my... John, I got Pamela Harriman had uh, escorted me around uh, to all these things, and I felt so badly. And then years later, Mondale's uh, uh, campaign manager, Bob Beckel, 
he and I were in a green room, which rooms are never green, and uh, he uh, said to me, John, I apologize. And it was so long after the election, I had no idea what he was talking about. And he was apologizing for Mondale's campaign, meaning I lost. So, oh, oh, God. I, yeah. I got to tell you, you had Mike Dukakis in the tank. Okay, remember that? Yeah. 1980. Right. Look, he looked so stupid. Okay, d d you know every party has like moments when their candidates do something really stupid. Okay, <laughs> D D Dukakis had the tank, and Mondale. He's in San Francisco for the convention. Okay, socialism, lefties, all that, <laughs> and he's running against Reagan, who was like an icon, and a, you know he won in a landslide over Carter. And, he's, and in his acceptance speech, he says, I'm going to raise your taxes. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is not yes. going to win a swing voter. <laughs> yes. Did you ever feel like you were so out of sorts, like everybody around me was cheering? And I, I was as flat in effect as the psychologist might say as you could possibly be. Oh. I, just, I, I just couldn't imagine that anybody with all of his consultants and all of his experience in Minnesota could possibly mess this up. And oh, he, did. he also had a vice presidential problem that year. He did. Oh, she had like the, uh, well, you, you, we talked about Maddie Madonna. Uh, you know, he, <laughs> he picked, a, he picked, a, he picked Geraldine Ferrero and, and her husband had some issues. Let's put it that way. But you know right. what? Mondale's, Mondale's I'm going to raise your taxes speech at the convention it was it was similar to uh, Barry Goldwater in '64. That was in San Francisco too, at the Cow Palace. Barry, right. Barry Goldwater said, uh, "Extremism in the defense of liberty is no is no virtue. Okay, uh, right. is no vice. Is no vice. Uh, right. Moderation is no virtue." And people were going nuts. But that yes. hurt that hurt him in the campaign, just like people were going nuts. When they said we're going to raise taxes. Well, I don't. I, I among the uh, different candidate things I I've attended over my lifetime oh. of political obsession, I went to one in which they played the ad that was only played once. Yep. And it was of the young child aid, the Daisy ad. Yep. In which uh, they 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 talk about Goldwater and they have this child and as they zoom into the child's eye, <laughs> there's a nuclear cloud in the picture. Oh. Played it once, and it just uh, because his his extremism was translated into this guy will push the button, oh. and uh, oh my god, that, well, that, that sure didn't help old Barry. Oh, no, hey, well, John, first uh, once again, thank you for coming on, and I I could talk for hours with you, but let's focus on um, you know the law, and uh, you know the Southern District is looking at. Um, possibly looking at uh, Rudy Giuliani. They did a search warrant of his office and his uh, home. And then right. you have uh, uh, Letitia Jan uh, Attorney General James of New York State is now uh, opening a criminal investigation into the Trump Organization, and that's going to sort of supplement what uh, Cy Vance, the Manhattan DA, is doing. Objectively, right. objectively, objectively, put in your prosecutorial hat on, uh, what red flags and loud gongs, if any, do you see with the Giuliani searches and also with the attorney general now saying we're opening a criminal uh, investigation? Just objectively, red flags, loud gongs, if there are any. Well, if, if I'm nothing else, I'm objective. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let, me, let me put my bias out there. I, I think we, people should have an accounting when they do wrong. 
And that goes back to the Dominican nuns of the Jesuits and my parents, I uh -oh, suppose. Uh-oh, go ahead. Uh, so that, that's a pretty stern test. But that aside, being as objective as one can in dealing with the law, Rudy Giuliani and I were assistants together. We tried things together. That's when right. When I left New York for D.C., I sold them my apartment on the Upper East Side. And uh, uh, we got along well. And both of us were married to uh, people on TV. I was married to Bettina Gregory. He was married to Donna Hanover. And so we had these common things. And somewhere he deviated. He went down to Washington as a Bobby Kennedy Democrat. And he came back as <laughs> the, the original growth product for his extreme, crazy, right-wing republicanism based on disinformation. So that's that's as non-biased as I can be about that. He uh, now his claim of how could you possibly seize my stuff because I am an advisor to the president. There's no privilege to that. Uh, I am his lawyer, but the president has said no. He's on his own. <laughs> so I don't know how far that takes him. And then there are all the exceptions to privilege, even if he has one. For example, you don't have privilege for an ongoing crime. If you disclose something to a third party, that's not privilege. Um, if, uh, that's, that's right. If you plan to do something, uh, you know, you and your client agree you should do something, that disclosure is not uh, protected. If you have a third person, say the uh, Bobsy twins from Ukraine, his two friends, Igor and Lev, if they're in the conversations, uh, even if you're with counsel, then the, then the privilege goes away. So, so my guess would be, if I could look at all his papers, there may be absolutely nothing that is privileged. And uh, so that's a starting point. The next question is, as a prosecutor, I would never have said, let's have a special master to look at this. I would do it myself. I've been on these uh, cases in which there's an attorney-client relationship, has to be uh, approved by main justice because it's an attorney. There are provisions in which a team looks at the documents, and if they think something is privileged or the defendant does, it, be, it gets decided by the judge before the actual prosecutor has anything to do with it. I don't know why that machinery wasn't used here. There, there seems to be a discontinuity. Whenever you get close, there's something in the ether that gets distorted. Whenever you get close to powerful figures, but in this case, uh, it, it's much worse in the sense that uh, what Trump and his cronies have been able to do to the system to avoid accountability for almost anything is uh, astonishing. So all of that said and done, I think that ultimately they'll get whatever they want from this search, although it will take time. Uh, a very good uh, friend of mine, Steve Ryan, had uh, been involved in representing uh, his, his other lawyer, uh, Cohen, and he was the one who made the motion seeking a special master. And he, he well, uh, I'm glad that Cohen ultimately decided to cooperate, but if he stayed with Steve Bryan, I'm not sure it would have worked out quite the way that it did for uh, Cohen or for anything else. But so that's how I see that. Now, what is the Southern District going to do? Uh, I don't know. It, I feel like the federal government is sitting on its hands while the battery of the New York AG and the New York DA are the two that are up at ramming speed and look like they're really going to do something. Um, and, and you and I have had a conversation about this a little bit. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> anybody, yeah anybody else would have indicted by now. I mean, yes. what, what do you need here? Uh, a fear, you know, snatch success from the jaws 
<laughs> of defeat. I don't know. It's a well, John. A very... Let me interrupt you on this. I I I really got point point this out. Uh, Michael Cohen pleaded guilty to a conspiracy to Correct. evade the requirements of the federal election laws. Right. And the conspiracy was he got $130,000 using a HELOC loan or some bank loan. He took that money and he paid, um, uh, <laughs> actually, he paid my former client, uh, uh, I was involved in that matter, paid my former client uh, the 130000 This is all public record, so I'm not revealing any privilege. Sure. So Cohen, sure. Cohen uh, took out a loan, paid off uh, Stormy Daniels in an NDA, and uh, and that was against the law because that 130,000 was for the benefit of Trump's uh, uh, election efforts. And right. and at his guilty plea hearing and maybe at his sentencing, uh, Cohen said, "I did it at the direction of individual one, okay, right. i.e. Right. Pre- Donald Trump." And I have never seen a prosecution where the person below Mr. Big was charged but mr big was not and right. and 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 uh i don't know how many other conspirators but here's here's the here's the date you got to keep in mind august of 2017 donald trump wrote his last check to michael cohen to reimburse him for 130,000 that right. check was signed in the oval office so the overt act if you're applying conspiracy the last overt act was August of 2017 when President Trump signed a check to Michael Cohen to pay Michael back for the 130000 Right. <laughs> well, so and, so and the, reason I me- the reason I mention that is the statute of limitations is five years, so they have until August of 2022, the Southern District does, to pull the trigger on any decision to charge right. individual one. Go ahead. Yes. Well, I, they also have the substantive count because the signing of that check is itself uh, a fraud. So you have both uh, an overt act, which can be an innocent act, as you and I know. Yeah. Um, it only has to advance the conspiracy which is agreement, which needs two or more people. Don't you feel like we're giving lectures? Oh, I love and, this. Uh, I love this. I love this. Yeah. So, so um, well, it's the same reason you and I like being with Ari. You have a lawyer, and it's like you're sitting in the cafeteria, and you're taking a part of case. Which oh, is, yes. Oh, the yes. The greatest support of uh, any trial lawyer. And uh, you, trade the, you trade the great wealth you could have uh, if you went to Wall Street by having terrific stories and adventures in the law, doing hopefully the right thing. But, but this, this, I agree with you. The... Uh, also, Weisselberg cooperated with the Southern District of New York uh, in connection with what Cohen was doing. So that that was a, a kind of interesting aspect. So Which leads me Weis- to this, John. Yeah. Regarding Alan oh, Weisselberg. We should say who Weisselberg is. Weisselberg was for 40 years uh, involved in the finances of the Trump Organization, 20 years as its CFO. Um, uh, no, but let's talk about Alan Weisselberg. What do you think okay. the Southern District of New York, the Manhattan DA, and now the New York Attorney General, what are they doing to Alan Weisselberg, his family, his friends? What's that focus? Well, well, well to key off on, on what you were saying, how we build a conspiracy case, which is we, we look at a pyramid and we take the, the lower blocks of that pyramid up to the top, to the zenith, to get whomever that is. And that is plainly Mr. T., 
and Weisselberg is in a good position at a somewhat lower rung, just below him, lower uh, level in the pyramid, to point at Trump. And uh, he already has resulted in terms of the AG's office in a $2 million penalty for how they ran a non-existent uh, trust. So now we've moved over, as you said before, into a criminal investigation. So what is the basis of that? I think a couple of things. Uh, I think they figure the taxes is something that can be really well shared between, that is the tax information from Trump that the court said DA Vance could have, is something they thought they could share between the AG and its expertise and the DA who had those documents. And they, have, they both have experience with Weisselberg bumping up against them because the AG has used Weisselberg before. And they're trying to squeeze Weisselberg to point at Trump. Now, the, the, the additional thing about that is that they're not just squeezing him. They're also going after his son, Barry, to squeeze him. And both parties, both the AG and the DA, appear to be squeezing Steve Bannon as well, because despite his federal pardon, he's still exposed to state prosecution. And I think that they're, they're being so aggressive, I think that they figure that if they can corral these two witnesses with the document case they probably already have, they can go against Trump. So are we predicting 90 days for something to happen in uh, Manhattan and New York uh, with the AG's office? Perhaps, because they're concerned about statute of limitations. Vance wants this to happen before he leaves office. They feel so strongly about it, they have embedded assistant AGs in the DA's office so they would have access to all this information. So I, that's why I think that... Uh, at least on the state side, they're at ramming speed. I don't know what the uh, wow uh, the pushes on the D in the U.S. Attorney's office. <clears throat> it's sort of like what you see among some politicians. They give you language and they sit back, hoping somebody else will do it, so they can say, "See, see, I was right." Without yeah, absolutely to themselves to prosecute absolutely. The case. Hey, John Flannery, I got one final comment. Thank you for coming on. Gene Rossi, and John, Gene Rossi and John Flannery have, have a couple things in common. One is Jesuits. We both <laughs> attended two Jesuit universities. You went to Fordham. I went to Fairfield University in Connecticut. And we both got a, a, a law degree from Georgetown University. Jesuits. No, no, I got it. Mine from Columbia Law. Oh, please. I thought you went to Georgetown. I'm sorry. No, my wife did. My wife did. Oh, your I told wife. Her that Georgetown Law is almost as good as Columbia. <laughs> exactly. I okay. Your remark at the beginning. Oh, I apologize. <laughs> you went to Columbia Law. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, no, they're very good schools. Oh, Georgetown yeah, yeah. Law is a fabulous school. Oh, yeah. But, but hey. let me say this about the Jesuits before you disappear. Go ahead. The Jesuits ahead. teach you how you use how to use your mind. Then they're terrified when you do. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, hey, John, we'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Great. All right. Bye-bye. All righty. Hey, do I have our next guest, uh, Kellen?